Hello, New Hope. I'm Mike. I'm one of the pastors here. We've been in this series in the book of Proverbs, seeing what the sages have to say to us about things like wisdom and foolishness, our words and how they affect people, friendship and money. And we want wisdom from the source so that we can experience not the good life, but the life that is good. And today we're going to be seeing what the sages have to say about justice. Now, wisdom is a pretty interesting thing because there are a lot of different ideas about what wisdom is. And you've probably seen a word cloud before. You may not have known that it was a word cloud, but a word cloud is one of those things where you take a text or a concept and you put it together, all the words from that text into um, a visual image that depicts how much those words are used, what their frequency is in the text. So I've got a word cloud for you here about some general ideas around wisdom. So you can see here, the bigger words are the ones that are more frequent. You've got wisdom, education, knowledge, imagination, library, information. The kinds of things that are in that word cloud are right up here. They have to do with the brain a lot. What's happening in the brain for wisdom? Well, I created a word cloud from all of the vocabulary in the book of Proverbs. And I took some of the vocabulary and I brought it together into some themes. And this is what came out. You can see here, we've got heart, wise, way, as in a way of life, the way that you live, Lord, wisdom, words. And then right there, the biggest one of them all is justice. The way that Proverbs describes itself as a wisdom book is quite a bit different than typical ideas about wisdom. Wisdom is about the way we live. Like John said in the first sermon in this series, wisdom is aligning our way with God's way. And God's way, as described thoroughly in the Bible, is a way of justice and righteousness. Now, justice is one of our six values here at New Hope. So I know that many of you, you're going to be familiar with this concept. But I don't know what kinds of feelings justice elicits in each of you. And I recognize that it may be a challenging topic for some. And I just want to say, I might say a few things today that step on your toes. If I do, just know that I love you. Please forgive me. So a number of years ago, I was invited to speak at this church I had some loose connection with the church, but I didn't really know the people there. I didn't know the history. Um, and they wanted me to come and talk in their series on missions. I had some missionary experience, and so they wanted me to share from that. And I ended up talking about the relationship between justice and the gospel, like the spoken gospel that you deliver to somebody. And I talked about how these two things go hand in hand, and you can't take them apart. They're both a part of what God is doing. He's doing justice and he's telling the story about Jesus in the world. So I finished this sermon to a bunch of blank stares, not dissimilar to staring at this camera right now. And I get done and this woman comes up to me and she's like, oh, I'm so glad that you preached that sermon today. You know, this church split over that very issue many years ago, and the other church is right across the street. It's still a little bit bitter. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Not 
everybody sees justice the same way. But one thing is for sure, the sages had a whole lot to say about justice. Now we've been mentioning this book, A Life That Is Good, which is a great read to gain some more understanding about the book of Proverbs. Now the author of that book says, even a fast reading of the text will lead us to recognize that justice is not just one among many equally important principles in Proverbs. Justice is foundational to the composition of wisdom. Justice is foundational to the composition of wisdom. That's what we saw in our little word cloud there. Now, with all of that introduction, let's have our public reading of scripture, which is going to be done by Eden today. And it comes from Proverbs chapter two and addresses this very issue of justice for us. Now, Eden read that from the NASB Bible. I've got a quote here, same passage, but from the NIV, it's saying, for those who store up the commands of Proverbs, those who fear the Lord, it says of them, then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. When wisdom enters your heart, when we allow it to enter our hearts because we find it pleasant, then we will understand righteousness and justice. That's actually the purpose. That's what the sages are trying to get across to us. Just take a look at the first words of the book of Proverbs. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of God, king of Israel. Purpose? to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. Just think about this for a moment with me here. What is the purpose of the Proverbs? Is the purpose to teach us the tricks of life that are going to make us successful? Is the purpose to elevate us above other people with all of our wise thinking? Is the purpose that we have a snappy answer for people in an argument? Is the purpose to so that we can stay out of trouble? I mean, is the purpose really primarily having to do with ourselves? No. The opening verses of the book tell us it's going to change the way that we live. It's going to change our behavior, and it's going to do so primarily in how we relate to other people with righteousness, justice, and equity. By reading Proverbs, if we are wise, which in the book of Proverbs, the wise person is the one who's described as someone who's willing to listen and learn. By reading Proverbs, we should become a person who practices righteousness, justice, and equity. A wise person is one who, has a, who lives a life of justice and righteousness. A foolish person ignores justice. In fact, Proverbs, wisdom, in Proverbs, um, wisdom is often personified as a woman. Lady Wisdom. John already talked about this earlier on in the series. One of the primary places where we can see this is in Proverbs chapter 8, where Lady Wisdom says this of herself. I walk 
in the way of righteousness, along the paths of justice. To live, to walk is to live. The path is the way of life. Wisdom is the way of righteousness and justice. According to the sages, it's better to be just than it is to be wealthy. Look at Proverbs 16. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. Brian Stevenson, he's the author of A Just uh, Mercy, a lawyer who defends, um, he, for decades now, he's been fighting for incarcerated people who need an advocate, whether they're kids who have been tried as adults or people who have been wrongly incarcerated, people like Walter McMillan, who's kind of the focal point of that story, or even Anthony Ray Hinton, who wrote the book, The Sun Does Shine, his story of how he was wrongly incarcerated for 30 years. If you haven't read that book, you really need to read that book. Anyway, Brian Stevenson, this lawyer, he said in a 2016 talk, the opposite of poverty is not wealth. The opposite of poverty is justice. The sages say also that it's better to be just than to practice empty religion. Look at Proverbs 21. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Treating people with fairness and equity is more important than fulfilling empty religious obligations. Also, those who pursue God pursue justice. Proverbs 28, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. Now, Proverbs is not the only place that makes this connection between wisdom and justice. And there are several different examples that I could give you. I'm just going to give you one for right now, and that's going to come from one of the prophets, Jeremiah. So let's look at Jeremiah chapter 9. It says, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me. That's true wisdom. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. A person's wisdom that they boast is not true wisdom if it doesn't understand who God is and what he delights in. He delights in kindness and righteousness and justice. So in the Bible, wisdom is great knowledge, but it isn't just great knowledge. Wisdom leads to success, but it isn't primarily about making the right choices that lead us to success. It is a compass for our life, but it isn't purely a compass for my life. Wisdom is living a life of justice and righteousness because your heart is in line with God's heart and your life reflects that alignment. That's wisdom. Now, if you're like me, if you're facing a tough decision, you pray to God for wisdom. Or if you're in a bad situation and you want some, you want to know how to get out of it, you pray to God for wisdom. There's nothing wrong with that. 
I do that and I'm going to keep on doing that. But if that's all that we understand about wisdom, our understanding of wisdom is incomplete. Justice and righteousness is wisdom. Now, with that being the case, it's pretty important for us to understand what justice and righteousness are. So I'm going to invite you now to make a little comment uh, on your screen to uh, answer this question, if you would. What do you think about when you think of justice? I think of Judge Judy, personally. That's always the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about justice. Now, we may think about justice in a legal sense, like in our justice system, where those who have done wrong face consequences for their actions. Or similarly, maybe we think about it in a cosmic sense, that people will get what's coming to them. They'll get what they deserve someday. There's cosmic justice. Or maybe for you, it feels like justice currently is making sure that people on social media know that you think the wrong, the right thing and that all the people who don't think like you are thinking the wrong thing. And as long as I can tell them that, that's justice. Or maybe you think about it, how we apply it here at New Hope, where it's one of our values. And that means that we're engaged with the community around us and globally to care for those who are disadvantaged. Or maybe you think about it in the negative, like justice equals social justice, which means it's not really the gospel, similar to that church that I preached at years ago. All of these things are facets of the conversation. Now, the Bible has a ton to say about justice. And honestly, I got to tell you, it's really convicting. At least it is for me. And if you've got ears to hear, like Jesus said, what the Bible has to say about justice and righteousness, it will likely change the way that you live and think about and relate to other people. I can't change you. This sermon can't change you. But if you've got ears to hear, if you're open to it, what the Bible says about justice, I think will change you. So going back to those opening verses of Proverbs, it says that the purpose of the Proverbs are to bring about righteousness, justice, and fairness. We're going to focus on these first two terms, righteousness and justice, because these are really important repeated terms in the Bible. The term for justice in the Hebrew Bible is mishpat. And it can be used in a legal sense, as in a judgment, but also in the sense of an obligation, as in what should be done, especially when something wrong has already been done. It's used more than 400 times in the Hebrew Bible. Now, righteousness in the Hebrew Bible is the word tzedakah, and it refers to the standard or order that is good or right within the context of community. One scholar has defined it as right harmony for all. Kind of reminds me of shalom or peace. It's used nearly 300 times in the Hebrew Bible. Now, these two terms, tzedakah and mishpat, are used together in a combination with one another more than 70 times. And when they're used together, they're both the standard for what is right and the means for how to bring about what is right. And they play the role of a significant theme in all of Scripture, one that begins all the way back in Genesis when God says about Abraham, he says, for I have chosen him. 
so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, by doing tzedakah and mishpat, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised. The way of the Lord is right and just. And that's why wisdom, living in alignment with God, is righteousness and justice. Now, there are several nuances to what justice and righteousness are in the Bible, but the overwhelming, and I mean the overwhelming sense of these words in the Bible, is to care for those who are vulnerable and disadvantaged in society. Bruce Waltke, who is like a monumental Old Testament scholar, in his commentary on the Proverbs said, the righteous are willing to disadvantage themselves to advantage the community. The wicked are willing to disadvantage the community in order to advantage themselves. What a powerful statement. Some of us have more advantage than others. Wisdom is to see what we have been given and how we can use it to care for other people. That's justice. Now, there are at least a hundred passages that I could show you to demonstrate that justice and righteousness means caring for the vulnerable in our society. There's probably even more than that. But just to give you a sample, I'll just show you 75 of them. I'm just joking. Just a couple of them. Job 29. Now, this is Job talking about himself. He says, I put on righteousness as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. I took up the case of the stranger. Job taking care of the blind, the lame, the needy, the stranger. Here we have Zechariah 7. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. Now, this passage from Zechariah is a good one for us to look at because it highlights the kind of people who need justice. The widow, the orphan, the foreigner, and the poor. These are people who are vulnerable in society, in their society, and frankly, they're still vulnerable now in our own society. The idea here, though, isn't that these are the specific kinds of people that we need to be caring for and showing special care for. It's that these people are just the vulnerable people, and it's vulnerable people in general who need care. Who is vulnerable in our society today? Who is disadvantaged in our, in our society today? Who's in need of justice in our society? It's about people in those circumstances that the sages have in mind when they say wisdom is living a life of justice and righteousness. I think about my mom when I think about the vulnerable. I mean, she's tough and she's smart 
but she's vulnerable. I mean, this is a person who has faced incredible injustice in her life. And I'm, I'm not going to tell you all those stories. Those are her stories to tell, but hardship after hardship. And as a single mom, raising four kids, working multiple jobs, going to school, facing mistreatment, she needed justice. She was the vulnerable. So what do we, what do we need to do to live this life of justice and righteousness? How do we live this wisdom now? A few things. The first one is that the key to wisdom is to be willing to listen and learn, to see other perspectives. Proverbs 4 says, hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. That is, be willing to learn. As I said already, a challenge when talking about justice is that not everybody sees justice the same way. You can't get around the fact that the Bible has a strong emphasis on justice. There's no doubt that followers of Jesus should be living a life of justice. But what we perceive justice to be is formed and shaped by our political leanings, by our upbringings, by our church backgrounds, by so many different things around us that form this paradigm or this grid by which we view justice. So when we think about aspects of life that relate to justice, we have different responses. Now, some of them are easier, like caring for the widow and the orphan. Are there any of you out there who don't want to care for the widow or the orphan? Now, there are some, though, that are not so easy. When it comes to things like racial justice, health care, immigration, am I touching a nerve yet with anybody? The underhoused, equality for women, abortion, corporal punishment, war. Now, whatever you think about those issues or whatever you think about me right now that I've because I've brought them up, they have to be filtered through what the Bible says about justice and righteousness, which is primarily about caring for the vulnerable and the disadvantaged. But in order for us to filter those topics or any number of circumstances that you might face through a biblical ethic, we have to be willing to learn. We have to, once again, have ears to hear what the Bible is saying. Now, many of us not only need to hear what the Bible says about it, but we also need to hear what other people have to say about it. We have to hear from people who have gone through struggles, who have faced injustice. I mean, I can tell you that I have faced menial amounts of trivial justice in my life. I mean, I, I did get a parking ticket last month that I really, really did not deserve. Yeah. I'm not particularly disadvantaged in our society. I have privilege, which I know is a bit of a trigger word for some, but I can't deny it. So I need to learn from people who have experienced injustice so that I can attempt to see things from a different perspective. The second thing about living with wisdom now 
is that we need to apply it to our real world. So don't keep it in the theoret theoretical. Wisdom doesn't just live up here. Wisdom is something that we live. Remember, it's a way of life. So think about where there is injustice now and what you can do to live wisdom. One of the most significant things happening right now in our society is a call for racial justice. Today will be the 88th straight day of protests and riots in Portland since the death of George Floyd. And for followers of Jesus, the foundation for justice in this issue is that every person is made in the image of God. But as a society, we don't treat everybody that way. Look at James 3. It says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. There is not one person more valuable than another. That's why I can say Black Lives Matter. Now, I know by saying that some of you are bristling a little bit because that phrase is tied to a, a movement and a specific organization, and that's all connected to politics and certain ideals. And like I said, early politics helps shape how we view the whole issue of justice. But just the phrase itself, I think it's important to say because people of color have been mistreated in our country since its inception. So it needs to be highlighted now that black lives matter. Now, this also goes back to my last point that wisdom requires willingness to listen and learn. If the phrase black lives matter is a stumbling block for you, I would encourage you to read a book like Be the Bridge by Latasha Morrison to understand why dismissing a phrase like that can be hurtful to a person of color. Now, even more so, I would encourage you to read that book to understand how to live just wisdom in the context of racial inequality. Morrison walks the reader through a process of righting the wrongs of racial inequality by being aware of the truth, empathizing and lamenting with others, working through shame and guilt, confessing sin, seeking and extending forgiveness, repenting, righting the wrong, and finding restoration. I gotta be honest with you, I'm not an expert in this area. I grew up with a sister, my sister is black, and she faced racial discrimination when we were kids growing up in a small town of almost exclusively white people, and yet I'm still learning so much right now. And frankly, I'm nervous to even talk to you about this today. I'm nervous I'm gonna say something stupid. I'm nervous that I'm gonna offend somebody, either you know, somebody who's a person of color or somebody who's just trying to listen and learn and figure out their whole role in this whole racial justice conversation. I, I'm afraid I'm gonna be canceled today. I don't wanna be canceled, don't cancel me. But I know I can't ignore it. If I'm going to live a life of wisdom, which is a life of justice and righteousness, the Bible tells me that I cannot ignore 
this issue because I have advantage that can be leveraged for those who are disadvantaged. As Latasha says in Be the Bridge, repairing what's broken is a distinctly biblical concept, which is why as people of faith, we should be leading the way into redemption, restoration, and reconciliation. This brings me to the third way to live a life of wisdom now, which is to use your resources to help others. That's a foundational concept of justice. Now, some people have more than others, whether it's more money, more power and authority, more opportunity, more education, more resources. And the Bible tells us to be generous with what we have. If you have more money, Proverbs says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will return them for what they have done, reward them for what they have done. If you have more power or authority, Proverbs says, speak up for those who have no voice, for the justice of all who are dispossessed. Speak up, judge righteously, and defend the cause of the oppressed and needy. Just as Abraham was blessed by God in order to be a blessing for all the nations, so also what God has provided for me is not solely for me, but for the benefit of those around me. Now, sometimes this is done with a simple act. This is going to be a silly little example. It's going to, it's going to seem so petty to you probably, but it's not to me because it's personal to me. And I'm never going to forget this, that when I was in high school, um, I played football. And every Saturday when the team had a game, we would all put our jerseys on in the morning and we would go have breakfast at the same local restaurant every Saturday morning. Big group of high school guys in their jerseys. And I already explained to you, my mom had a lot of hardship. Single mom, going to school, working multiple jobs. We did not have a lot of money. So I didn't always get to have breakfast with my teammates when I was there. Sometimes I just sat there without anything. And I remember one time when that happened, the owner of the restaurant came out when he saw me sitting there without any food while all my teammates were eating. And he brought this giant waffle just mounded with whipped cream and berries. It felt so good. I was so embarrassed sitting there with my friends until he brought that out and I could participate with everybody else. Tim Keller, a prominent author and pastor, said on this topic, if you are a Christian and you have resources and you're not practicing radical generosity, you're not being stingy. You're being unjust. Ooh, ah, yikes, that hurts. I mean, I think we all understand the temptation to hold on to what we have, whether that's your money, your position, your advantage, or anything else. I mean, at least I know I understand that temptation, but we have to fight against that because Old Testament to new, from the law of Moses to the words of Jesus, we are told to use our resources to help others. The last thing I'll say to practice the wisdom of justice and righteousness is to remember compassion. 
It's so simple, but it's so easily overlooked. Although the word mishpat, justice, has to do with an obligation, justice itself is not best practiced as an obligation, but as an act of compassion. When there's someone in need, someone who's hurting, someone who's disadvantaged, someone who is poor, marginalized, our response as we're being formed into the image of Christ is that response of Christ himself, one of compassion. When Jesus saw the lost and the hurting, he had compassion on them. He healed them and he cared for them. If any of the topics that I've brought up today have upset you, again, I'm sorry, I love you. Please forgive me. But also stop and ask yourself, in any of those scenario scenarios, who needs compassion? Now, we may not agree on how we approach every problem of injustice, or we may not agree, uh, agree with each uh, aspect of each side and what they might be saying, but seeing a person through a lens of compassion can have a big impact on how we think about injustice. And you can't really force that on yourself. Well, we need to be formed into the image of Christ through scripture, through prayer, through an openness to the spirit of God working in our lives that will bring about that kind of compassion in us. That goes for wisdom too. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. And when his wisdom is formed in us, we will walk compassionately with justice and righteousness. Let's pray. Our loving God, you are God of righteousness and justice, fairness, love, compassion. You care, Lord, for the orphan, the widow, the needy. God, I pray that you would form in us the same heart that you have in yourself. Help me, God. Help us all. I pray, especially for myself, God, help me to let go of the selfishness that I have around so many things in my life to care well for other people. May you be praised in that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.